You're listening to The Souvenir Shop, a podcast about random objects from the past. Number 31. The Quiz Night. A beer mat from the Phoenix Downstairs Club in London. It has, amazingly, lasted over two decades and still occasionally sits under a mug of tea on my desk. As I grow older, my strengths and weaknesses become more defined, along with a sanguine acceptance of both. When it came to team sports, I was that perennial childhood cliché, the kid always picked last, enduring that rarely discussed torment when both sides already had equal numbers. I cannot be trusted with painting, or decorating, or carpentry, I cannot legally drive, but on the plus side, you simply have to take my word for it when I say that you would want me on your quiz team. If you need someone to scribble down from memory the first five James Bond novels or the noble elements of the periodic table in order of atomic number, then trust me, I'm your man. Regular listeners will already know about my captaincy of a university challenge team, along with a family tradition of TV quiz success from which this arose. The bottom line is that I have, with an astonishing regularity, helped pub quiz teams achieve the Corinthian heights of winning enough money for an extra round before the bar staff call time. And therein lay the problem. If my skills at poker were as keen as my knowledge of Marx Brothers films, I would by now be on the next plane to join a high-stakes table in Vegas. Yes, I know, there are already TV shows offering big money for this kind of thing, but both personal anxiety and their often arbitrary nature, have so far dissuaded me from applying. I simply wanted a normal pub quiz, where the prize extended to more than five pints of London pride. Where were the big money games? Or in the words of Nicely Nicely and Guys and Dolls, where's the action? The Phoenix downstairs sits underneath the Phoenix Theatre on London's Charing Cross Road. It's a membership club that bears no relation to the Garrick, or, heaven help us, the Groucho Club. But for anyone working in entertainment during the 1990s, it was a friendly watering hole that served beer after 11pm, back in the days when licensing laws meant you couldn't get a late-night drink. By 2002, I was no longer performing, so I rarely visited the place. That was until my friend Mick invited me to join his quiz team, because the Phoenix was now running a monthly quiz night with a £600 winner-takes-all prize. Turning up for the first night, I discovered that such a big event was a honeypot for the know-all end of the chattering classes. In the large Phoenix bar, I recognised a Guardian columnist table, a BBC Light Entertainment table, a Cambridge Footlights reunion table, and the office table, containing various members of the cast. It should be remembered that at this moment, the office was the hottest property on British television, getting deservedly rave reviews, must-watch recommendations, as well as inspiring scholarly articles in the broadsheets about the shortcomings of middle management. Its co-creator and star, Ricky Gervais, was well on his way to national treasure status, because, to be fair, both the sitcom and its main character, David Brent, were brilliant creations. 
Quiz nights are now a regular fixture of most organisations' social calendar or pub's weekly schedule. Anybody who's attended one will be familiar with the section where the answers are read out. You'll hear good-natured cheering from tables when they get a correct answer, more so if it's a lucky guess. And you'll hear collective groans about wrong answers or near misses. Despite the £600 jackpot, this night was no different, with one exception. A member of the office table began to be particularly disruptive and soon the whole room endured Ricky Gervais, red-faced with anger as he protested each answer. When the MC reached the answer to the question, name the mad scientist who regularly featured in the Muppet Show, he bellowed that the correct answer was not Dr Honeydew, but Dr Bunsen Honeydew, and that anyone who didn't give his full name shouldn't be awarded a point. The rest of his table did their best to calm him down, but he wouldn't let it go until the quizmaster called for silence. As devotees of the office are aware, one of its more celebrated episodes actually features a quiz night where David Brent and his friend Chris Finch, the only genuinely nasty character in the series, similarly lose their call over being on a losing team. Many in the room might have viewed Gervais's behaviour as a piece of clever performance art, channelling the events of that quiz night episode for the amusement of his friends. But from the way he wouldn't let up, it was clear that there was something darker at work. My team won the £600 winner-takes-all jackpot because, well, as I've already explained, you would want me on your quiz team. After a short hiatus, a man came over with a jiffy bag full of £10 notes, which, after getting a celebratory round in, we proceeded to divvy up. There we were, with four growing piles of tenors on our table, when we sensed someone standing motionless over us. We looked up to see a scowling Ricky Gervais. Look at you, he contemptuously spat. Bunch of Shylocks counting out your money, before stomping off. He said the last part with the kind of voice Alec Guinness used for his portrayal of Fagin in Oliver Twist. And as he did so, he made that gesture best described as washing his hands with invisible soap. Gervais wouldn't have known that any of our team were Jewish, so I didn't take the outburst personally. But it was still intriguing, a little embarrassing, and it raised a host of issues. Most of all, I still find it surprising how casual and relaxed he was about displaying such unambiguous anti-Semitism in public at a time when his career, as both an actor and darling of the chat show circuit, was in the ascendant. I'm sure Gervais would deny any accusations of anti-Semitism. I'm doubly sure that, if only on the law of averages for someone in the comedy business, he could legitimately claim that some of his best friends are Jewish. He was also in his pomp, universally loved, and in the epicentre of the build-em-up cycle of fame. So it's puzzling to know where this bile came from. Since that night in 2002, Gervais's public persona has usually been given a free pass 
for the ironic context with which he frames contentious or edgy issues. And as a free speech advocate, if not absolutist, I'm fine with this. But in expressing his anger to four people whose greatest crime was to win a quiz with such a blatantly racist outburst, I failed then, as I fail now, to see any trace of that celebrated irony. But what do you think? That was The Quiz Night, written and read by Matthew Diamond. If you enjoyed this episode, then please like and subscribe on Acast, or write a review wherever you get your podcasts, and I'll see you next time.